Okay, welcome to episode three of A Young Black Perspective. I am uh, your young black host, Nigel Burgess. Today we have a special guest uh, with me from the field of education, Ms. Simone Woodard. Simone, would you introduce yourself to the people today? Hi, uh, yeah, I'm Simone, um, and I am currently assistant director at Spectrum Station Mountain in Kansas City. Um, and I've actually just added a doula to my hat and so yeah that's a little bit about me awesome um the reason why i wanted to have you on the show um, was because like i thought back to my own personal experience from public school and i can count on one hand how many black teachers that i had from the time that i started public school to the time i graduated so i felt like um you know that representation was ultra important and I felt like having you on the show to discuss your um, perspectives on that matter would be pretty dope so um, let's get into some of your background uh, where are you from where'd you grow up um, college and how all, all that stuff how'd you get to where you are pretty much uh yeah so uh, like I said I now live in downtown Kansas City Missouri uh, but that's by way of Carbondale Illinois uh, which is just a few hours away from St. Louis um, I was born and raised, uh, between there and here. Um, and I earned my bachelor in science and psychology with an emphasis in children. Um, I've been working in early education for about 15 years. Um, and I started, uh, as soon as I got to college, I was working in early education. Um, and then from there, a string of, of jobs as far as tutor, teacher, assistant director, director, uh, from there to now. Awesome. And so how does that, the background that you just talked about, how did that affect how you view education overall? Uh, I think my, my view of education was shaped a lot by all the different uh, cultures and people, um, you know, that I, that, that I experienced growing up, uh, uh, I've always viewed education as like a, as a solution, uh, to the need for change. So, um, I, I always knew that education was a, a sticking point for me, um, going through the, from Kansas City to Carmendale, I've, been in you know more well-off neighborhoods and I've been in some more struggling neighborhoods so I've kind of seen both sides of the perspective um, there uh, you want to talk a little bit like more about that like what are the biggest differences and challenges between working in both of those um, you know environments being the struggling and the more well-off um, yeah, so uh, when I first started working in early education, I was working in uh, a, a lower socioeconomic neighborhood, um, and my struggle came from um, everybody kind of looking like me, um, and but not having the same level of education that I did. Um, I, just to give a little bit more background about um, what my education bringing up was, um, I did go to schools where I was, the school was full of black kids. Um, and then I also went to schools where I was the only black kid. So um, looking, working at a daycare center uh, where 
everybody that looked like me felt like they didn't have the same education I did uh, was a little disheartening. Um, and then going to, um, you know, childcare centers where there weren't very many Black people, uh, felt like their education was a lot at a much higher level um, than the other kids that I had previously taught with. I see. And um, I'm sure that that came with some identity type challenges too. You know what I mean? Cause like, go ahead. Yeah. Yeah. It definitely came with some identity um, changes. I, I, at that point, I wanted to know why um, I wanted to know how can we change this? Um, why did no one else see how unfair uh, this looked? Um, across the board yeah do you think that um you have unique challenges working in education as a not only an african-american but an african-american woman um i would say yes i I would say that there are times that i do feel like i have to um I would say water down my blackness, if you will, uh, to be seen as like a more professional educator. Um, There's times when um, not only myself, but my peers that are are black um, are also a little bit more uh, eyes put on, on like your tone or, your sternness because it can be viewed as aggressive even though it may be the same as someone else that doesn't look like me uh you know there's kind of a uh I guess a double standard if you will (laughs) on some of that it's um and I'm sure to kind of piggyback on that you also have to deal with like microaggressions too as a result of that double standard yeah uh there are definitely times when I feel like um, uh, as a as a black woman, we have to not be seen as the that angry, that angry person, that aggressive person. Um, and so sometimes it uh, affects it's like some extra things you have to think about in your teaching. Um, whereas maybe some other people don't have to think about that. Um, I mean, I can relate to the, you know, trying to not come off as aggressive part, like subconsciously as black people, we've all, we've kind of been programmed to, um, not always be ourselves in certain environments because like being yourself isn't always looked on in a positive manner even though there's nothing wrong with being black, there's nothing wrong with being yourself, but you have to have a certain level of um, conscientiousness about what's going on. People look at you differently. It's weird. Yeah. Um, okay, um, so let's keep going. How are you adjusting to teaching during a pandemic? I guess you're not in a teaching role anymore, but as an administrator, how do you adjust to the pandemic and what are you doing to kind of um, circumvent that? Um, so for us, uh, well, working with smaller children, uh, the cleanliness factor is going to be the hugest, uh, factor. So, uh, I mean, for us, we're definitely doing 
extra extra cleanings, extra um, teaching of you know hand washing and cleanliness with the kids. Um, since they are small children, they don't always understand that. Um, so adding a level of extra hygiene to the curriculum has been something that we've been doing. Um, as far as uh, teachers, uh, as teachers go and the kids, we, everybody obviously picks and chooses their time there uh, at school. So as, as far as that goes, I mean, people used to drop their kids off a lot longer than they do now. Now they're only the essential amount of time to be at, at school. So numbers are a little bit lower um, and it has been a little bit easier to, um, to teach. Okay. And um, you said you're doing preschool at the moment, right? Early yeah, education. So I, yeah. So we're birth, uh, birth through 12 years old at our center. Okay. Um, and have you taught any other ages before or just kind of that demographic? Uh, no, it's uh, for me, I've only been uh, with that age group um, as far as uh, teaching goes. Um, I've worked with older kids um, as far as in a mentoring role, but um, not actually taught in any other age groups. Are there any unique challenges that come with working with smaller children that um, I guess to, from the outside looking in that you might not um, be aware of? Um, a unique challenges would just probably be that um, knowing that kids are, are very clean slates um, and they pick up everything. Um, so you have to be really um, in tune with how you're uh, reacting, saying, doing things because these kids are, are picking up everything. They're sponges at that age. Uh, I'm sure at older age groups they are too, but uh, these young kids are still learning their emotions and personalities. And so they pick up whatever the adults around are doing. So um, uniquely, you can't just teach. You also have to put on a a character, if you will, for what we want the future to look like. Um, and sometimes that's difficult. If, if you're struggling with things yourself, um, you're having to teach a person how to overcome those things, um, even though you're, you may be struggling with some, some of those things um, as well. That makes sense because like, I guess the, the children are looking at you um, as a role model all the time. And whatever behaviors or mannerisms you might exhibit, they kind of emulate as a result. Interesting. Absolutely. Um, yeah. Okay. So speaking of role models, um, who has been your biggest role model in education and why? Um, my biggest role model, um, I would say was, uh, or is, uh, Maria Montessori. Um, she is a, uh, she's a, a, an Italian physician um, and she came up with the curriculum of Montessori um, which is um, she basically believed that education should prepare you for all aspects of life um, so for me I, I don't just stop thinking that education is only books and learning um, it's also learning how to take care of yourself it's it's hygiene 
um, its emotions, um, all of those things are packed into education um, as well. Do you feel like we're kind of missing some of that in our public school system now? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. I, I think that um, our public schools are preparing you for work. They're preparing you for business. They're preparing for you for making money, uh, but they're missing some of those uh, some of those basic things that, um, you know, like taking care of yourself or doing laundry or balancing your checkbook. Um, they're also missing some of those aspects of, of knowing yourself and, and kind of helping with your mental health. Though she doesn't tap too much into the mental health part, um, I think her curriculum can be expanded on um, to extend to those things because it is an aspect of life that um, we need to be a, a little bit more um, educated on. I mean, I think you kind of hit a point on the head that I've been kind of complaining about for a while. Like, I feel like I learned a lot of things in school that I don't apply to my life now, but I wish I would have learned things like, um, like about credit or about doing my taxes and stuff like that actually applies to the things that I'm doing now. You know, I feel like school in a lot of ways kind of underprepares you for that as it's currently uh, being implemented. So that's very interesting. Um, yeah. Go ahead. Oh, no, I was just agreeing oh. with you. Sure, sure. Okay. So, all right. Another issue that I have with school that I want to talk to somebody about is history. Um, and obviously you teach younger kids, so this is a little bit less of what you deal with, but I wanted to get your perspective on it. I feel like history is taught in a socially irresponsible way, um, especially black history to kind of elaborate on that. Like for example, um, in American history and public school is taught, especially with black people is like, okay, slavery ended and then um, racism was pretty much over. <laughs> it's like, there is so much other stuff that happened. And not only that, like there's so many black um, leaders and heroes and scholars and inventors that we never learn about. Do you want to elaborate on that? Yeah, um, I am right there with you. I definitely believe that history lacks diversity and different perspectives for sure um i always felt like there was one one perspective that you got and that was it there was only one side of the story um everything always felt a little unfinished um or a little too smoothed over um especially in the capacity of things like war and, and um you know government and power um i think there's definitely a fear in teaching the whole truth um, and, and and just making kids feel like, you know, everything that happened, it was, it was all good. And the whole point of history is to, to teach you the truth and teach you what happens when um, so that we can get past those things and make progress and move forward. Uh, but you can't do that if you don't ever see an issue or a problem. It's, it's interesting. Some of the things that I learned um, once I got to college that I was like, how did you, how do you miss this in high school? Like very interesting. 
when it comes to history. Um, so I appreciate your perspective on that. I, I would like, um, if anything that could change about his education for me, that would be the biggest thing is that I wish that they would be more forthright about the whole story, like you said, the whole perspective. Um, from your opinion, what would you change about the current landscape of education? Um, I would say um, we start teaching all these things a lot earlier, um, especially when kids are developing emotions. So at the, at the early age, like in the age groups that I'm teaching, uh, we should start uh, really making it mandatory to, to teach some of those concepts right from the right from the get go. Um, kids are able to be more compassionate and empathetic at a younger age uh, before they've kind of been, uh, I guess I would say, tainted by the, the worldly views. Um, so it's important to teach them really early um, all, all, all of the aspects um, of history and not be afraid of, of how it's going to make them feel um, and not be afraid of of them being too young to, to take those things in because um, I know from the perspective of talking to preschoolers, which is like the four to five-year-olds, um, they are very inquisitive. They do want to know um, and they, they can understand um, pain and, and um, you know, uh, those aspects of, of war and, and things like that. I don't think that that is too young to kind of implement some of those things from history. So you think that um, we kind of underestimate young children and their ability to comprehend these things? Yes, yes. I, I, I think that a lot of times people um, consider their baby a baby way too long. Um, I think that we have to start trusting that kids can um, handle some of those feelings, but you just have to be willing to uh, uh, be there for support and, and talk about and teach um, as soon as, um, you know, they have questions about it. Okay. Um, so how have like traumatic events that we've seen in recent past, such as the death of George Floyd, uh, Tamir Rice, Trayvon Martin, uh, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, way too many et ceteras. <laughs> How have, have yeah. those things impacted the way you do your job? Um, honestly, I, I think because I work with such a young age group, uh, it has to be sometimes suppressed emotionally um, because you are working with kids. So I, I, I think that kids are able to um, understand those feelings. And I think that we should kind of bring those to the forefront and, and kind of let smaller children know what's happening. Uh, but also uh, you have to understand that our job is to teach uh, other things as well. So we have to be upbeat. And sometimes it's a little draining when you come to work and you are, are having those feelings of anger or, uh, resentment and, and having to teach, uh, but those small kids can't process your emotions and theirs at the same time. So uh, sometimes having to, to scale back my my feelings to to get through work um, 
can can be a little difficult um on the, on those days when when the you know trauma really does hit i think that is such a uniquely black experience too um to have to suppress trauma to exist <laughs> it's exciting to be able to go to work and do your job or go to school and get your stuff done and to be productive um man like people don't understand the toll that takes on you mentally to have to just keep going and you have all these strong feelings and emotions and um it wears down on you and i, I think a lot of people don't really understand that yeah, no, I, I don't think it's always completely understood. Uh, I think uh, some people want to empathize um, and they want to talk and um, they want to open dialogue. And then, and, but sometimes it's really, it's tough because it feels like it's just a conversation for the day. And I'm like, this has been going on with me for forever. So um, this isn't something new. Um, so it, it, it's, sometimes it feels crazy that like you want to open this conversation right now. Uh, why weren't we talking about this prior to, or it should be an, an ongoing conversation. Uh, but now that it's hit a point of trauma where we've had to uh, watch these videos over and over again and just scroll and see um, it's just now finally making uh, an impact on, on people's day-to-day -day lives. Uh, uh, other than people of color. And I've, I've kind of noticed too, that it's like almost shocking to, you know, people who don't have to go through that stuff to understand how embedded it is into like our DNA at this point. Like it's so normalized and we just kind of have learned to keep going. Oh, happened again. And like I've, the people I've talked to, like my friends, especially, they're like, I don't understand how you were so, um, what's the word I'm looking for? How are you were so able to just, to just be so nonchalant about it? It's like, yo, I've had to, <laughs> like, um, and yeah. at a point in one of my earlier podcasts, um, it's just right on the head. It's like, it's like, um, it's like the weather, it's going to rain eventually. It's like, you expect it to happen at this point. And if you're not mentally, um, strong enough to deal with that it'll consume you for sure yeah yeah and um honestly uh i have i have teachers that that do struggle sometimes they do come to work um and and they have some some hard times getting through the day because of of uh, the trauma that they're feeling or going through um and these are black teachers i'm talking about um what is nice and the reason why i love the position I'm in is because I am um, in a managerial position, they are able to kind of come to me and tell me um, how they're feeling and, and, and kind of unload uh, so that they can kind of move on with their day. Um, I, I know that all teachers, all teachers don't have a person in power or, or management roles where they can kind of go to and talk to. Um, and I think that that is important because uh, some of those teachers, I don't know if they would uh, be able to be their best teaching selves if they didn't have someone uh, like myself to kind of be like, man, did you, are, are you feeling this too? Like, are you feeling how I'm feeling? At least having someone to uh, what's the word? 
Um, to just be able to relate. Relate. Yeah, that's the word I'm looking for. Mm -hmm. Just be able to relate to uh, while you're in your place of work. Because uh, it's you're having very human reactions to things that are happening to you. And it's kind of unfair to expect somebody to um, repress those emotions just for the sake of their job. Yeah. Yeah. Um, okay. So I guess I will ask you this then. Um, you work closely with the kids and you said earlier that um, you believe that we kind of treat the kids as babies for too long or some people do rather. Um, so what's something that you would encourage the parents of your students? Um, I would encourage uh, parents to be mindful of what type of person they want their kid to be when they get older. And I'm talking about from birth, from womb, uh, if you want your, your person, your, your child to be, um, you know, a, a strong, compassionate, empathetic person, then you have to start um, feeling those feelings and um, teaching those things very early. So I would tell parents that if you want your kids to be the change, then you have to teach them that as, as soon as you can. Um, I think the best way to do that is reading diverse books, um, telling stories about other cultures, celebrating um, or at least highlighting uh, things about other cultures um, right from the get go, not just your own. Uh, when they get out into the world, they're going to see everything. So we need to make sure we expose them to everything so that they're not scared or they um don't push push those things away uh, because they don't know about them. Very good perspective. Very, very good. Okay. So what's next for you? What's next for Simone? Um, what are your aspirations for your career going forward? Um, so uh, I would say my aspirations are just uh, going to be to try to touch that, that birth to 12 age group, um, as much as I can with uh, positive education uh, moving moving forward. And, and, and that really is going to start from uh, working with parents, um, which is why I decided to add doula to um, my hats um, because I felt like uh, you can't impact the kid without kind of starting with parents. Um, and if children are going to be the change, then we need to start working with uh, parents on how they are teaching their kids uh, right from right from the start. So um, I'm hoping to um, expand uh, my doula business into not only dealing with um, birth and postpartum parents, but also just parenting in general. So those those people that have kids and maybe multiple kids um, and are struggling with that, that balance of uh, how to make my child a, a really great person, um, helping coach some of those parents uh, is kind of the, the next step. Um, I plan to continue also working in early education. I don't want to ever lose that. Um, I love that saying. Um, so uh, I'm hoping to somehow merge the two together. <laughs> 
Sure, sure. Well, I thank you for coming on and you know speaking to us today. I I've learned a lot. Um, it's kind of about a little bit of the inside of education and kind of way you guys have to deal with a lot of unique stuff that I didn't really um, consider before. Um, do you have any final thoughts? Uh, no, no, I don't think so. I had a, um, this is my first podcast. So I was really excited to be on here um, and share a perspective. And uh, I hope that um, even if this touches one person to, to think a, a little bit out of the box, um, so we can make some progress that would be fantastic. That's what it's all about, man. That's why I started this, you know, because um, a lot of people just don't know. And if we can educate one person or two people and they can go and educate somebody else, then I feel like the podcast has done its job. So awesome. Simone, we thank you for coming on and um, hopefully we can do this again sometime. And I hope that you can make some progress in the field to, you know, push for that change that you want to be. And we appreciate you for coming on. Thank you. Thank you. All right. That's it for episode three, guys. We'll have another one coming soon. I'll let you guys know. Until then, peace.